Nehemiah chapter two, we're all caught up. We're gonna read verses one through eight. The story is insane. I think you're gonna love it. All right, verse one. In the month of Nisan, again, I looked that word up. I think that is right. The month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine, I being Nehemiah, took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence, and the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. And then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, let the king live forever. That is a great preface to what he's actually gonna say. Just live forever, never die. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king said to me, what are you requesting? And so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen uh, sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I had asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Man, this is just mind blown by this story, and I'm excited to unpack it with you guys. So first point, all right, big heading, DTR with fear, subheading, when fear, catch this, is near. Did you notice it rhymes? You're gonna remember it because of that fact, all right? When fear is near, all right? So I want, us to get, I want to help you get an understanding of the timeline we're rocking with right now, all right? Chapter one, verse one says, the words of Nehemiah, uh, well, now it happened in the month of Kislev, all right? Kislev, that month is around November or December. So what we talked about last week, November or December, okay? In chapter two, verse one, it's the month of Nisan. I think that's how you say it. I hope. Anyway, if you already know the right answer, just shout it out. So the month of Nisan is around the month of March or April, okay? So chapter one to chapter two, we got about four months of separation. Does that make sense? We all there? Okay. So last week we talked about Nehemiah comes to this place where he's praying and he's fasting and he's mourning, all right? He's seeking the Lord. I'm assuming that he is seeking him, and this is the, chapter two is the answer to his prayer. That's the direction he gets from God, okay? So just imagine, Nehemiah praying, he knows he's gonna go to the king. Four months, it's like 100 plus days, it's a long time, right? He's praying, he's visualizing God, he, he senses what he needs to go and do, and then he steps into the presence of the king, a place that he's been every single day. He knows King Artaxerxes, he's got the ear of this guy, right? He's been there all the time. So you just imagine Nehemiah praying, visualizing, okay, I'm gonna go to the king, I'm gonna make a request, right? Then he gets before the king, and all the king does is notice that he's sad. And we get some, we get some insight on Nehemiah. The first thing he feels in verse two, it says, and then I was what? Afraid, and then I was what? Everyone say afraid. And then I was afraid, right? He has a moment in front of the king, a moment that he's been visualizing for a long time. I mean, four months worth. And then he gets before the king and suddenly he has an encounter with fear. It takes no time. And it stood out to me this week as I was like reflecting and, and a couple of stories just immediately came to my mind. 
how it's way different preparing for something and knowing there's something you need to step into and actually stepping into it, right? Two very different things, okay? A couple of stories that came to my mind. They're kind of funny. That's my love language, all right? One, I was in South Carolina. I was like 10 years old. And my dad, uh, I was boogie boarding on the East Coast, all right? That's three sermons in a row I've mentioned boogie boarding, if you're taking note. I'm a boogie boarder professionally. Anyway, this isn't about boogie boarding. My dad wanted to go skydiving, okay? We're at, we're at Myrtle Beach. Somehow skydiving came up. It did. My dad went. And here's what I learned about skydiving, okay? You say yes to skydiving twice, right? Once on the ground and once on the plane. That's your two yeses. On the ground, on the ground is very different, right, than on the plane. So when you're on the ground, I remember my dad, he puts on that little swishy, wishy onesie and the guy attaches to his back, they're strapped up and they're like, hey, this is what it's gonna look like when you're doing this, okay? When you're falling, do this, you know what I'm saying? And when, when, it, when I put your hand out, I'm about to pull the chute, so get ready. When I pull it, do this, whatever. And my dad is sitting there and the plane's right there, but he's on the ground and he's going, okay, that sounds good, right? So he said, yes, he's visualizing, this is what skydiving is gonna be like. Well, then I watched, they recorded the whole thing. I didn't go up with them, but I watched the tape later. I watched the videotape later, not the DVD, not the digital version, the videotape later. And I watched as my dad was up in the plane. And before you jump out of the plane, it's, it's incredible. They make you look out over the edge and give you the thumbs up. This is when I'm like, you have to push me out this plane. I'm not jumping anywhere. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, I got a little knapsack. That's crazy, man. Or a, that's not really a knapsack. It's a parachute. It's designed for that. Anyway, so there's this moment when, when you have to give the green light. And I realized, man, my dad saying yes to skydiving up there, which he did. He did great. Amazing. Versus saying yes to on the ground was two very different things. Now, to bring it home to my own life, I had a moment where my moment of courage when fear was near didn't go as well. All right. I remember I was in Clarksville and I was at the mall. I'm a small town guy. Malls are a big deal to me. They're popping. And so I was at the mall and I was, I was doing my laps, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I see, uh, I see, all right, just picture that communion table right there is K Jewelers, okay? I'm not going to K Jewelers. I just see a K Jewelers. This is years ago, by the way. This is years ago. I see a girl in there. My girlfriend's right there, years ago. I see a girl in there and I think she's cute, all right? She was, she's ugly. <laughs> I, think, I think she's cute. And so I'm like, I'm gonna talk to this girl, right? Every guy has done this. Like, okay, here I go. All right, one more lap, and then I'm gonna get ready. I'm gonna get ready. I'm gonna do this thing, right? And, uh, and I need a lap. And literally what I'm doing, I'm visualizing. I'm literally going, all right, I'm gonna walk in there and be like, hey, girl. She's gonna be like, are you looking for rings? And I'm gonna be like, I might be. <laughs> you know? Like, but... You don't think that, but you actually do think of ridiculous things that you're going to say to this person, right? And so I'm not kidding. I probably walked, I probably walked a half marathon that day. Like I just kept doing laps. I couldn't get there. I knew mentally I was like, no one is better at this than me. I'm going to dominate. And then just, whoop. so my last lap, I'm walking around and I'm like, here it comes. I'm going to do it. Okay, here I go. I hang a right. I hit the exit, I get in my car, I drive to Nashville, it never happens, I never see the girl again. That was my encounter with fear, right? It was one thing for me to be walking around the random kiosk going, I can't buy that lotion right now, I gotta go get the girl at K Jewelers. It was another thing for me to walk in and actually talk to that girl, and every dude relates to what I just said, because you did it too, don't judge me, you chickened out as well, all right? So anyway, there's a difference, right? Now, I give, I give these like light, kind of funny, lighthearted examples, but I wanna connect to a real truth, okay? So level with me here. In this season of fast forward, right, there's this idea that the people of God are gonna come together 
we're gonna remove some things from our lives to, to like really open our ears and our hearts to the Lord, right? And here's what I believe. As you seek the Lord in community and on your own, when you're in the word, when you're praying, I do believe that God is gonna give you some invitations into some deeper things. I do think that. I think that will happen. You're gonna have some things crop up that you're like, man, I want to step into these things. And it's gonna take courage. And here's what I want you to know. There is a difference in the moments of prayer going, God, I sense this is the direction. There's a difference in that moment and actually stepping into the moment, like live, in person, when the moment comes. And here's what I want you to know. That if you encounter fear, that is normal, okay? Because I think fear can be like this thing, like this dictator in our lives, but I think it's a normal thing. I don't think it's a good thing, right? I think that God makes it clear. Perfect love cast out what? Fear, right? Like uh, when the disciples are in the boat with Jesus, like they're scared of the storm and Jesus is like, what were you so scared of? Like, where was your faith? Like have faith. So I don't believe that God is like, oh, it's totally cool if you have fear in your life. But I do wanna say this. I think one of the like, the most like used weapons of the enemy, of like the spiritual forces of evil, as we read in Ephesians 6, is fear, especially when the people of God are going, I'm listening. I am down to listen and to seek your face. I think the enemy is, the, is, is just so quick to go, here's some things you need to be afraid of if you think about stepping into these deeper waters of obedience. Does that make sense? So I don't think Fear is okay and a part of God's plan. In fact, I think as we continue to step into the deeper waters of God, that fear, the voice of fear will continually grow, I guess, quieter, and the voice of courage will grow louder as the Spirit strengthens us. I do think early on, some of you are taking, or all of us are taking, courageous steps with God, and just know that when fear comes, it's like, it's not okay, but it's okay, all right? Like, it's a normal thing. But I want us, in this moment, to have a DTR with fear. This is our DTR moment. All right, because we're going to have this with Nehemiah. In verse two, he feels fear, right? He feels fear. And then it's, what's unique about this story with Nehemiah is not that he feels fear. That's not a very unique thing. We've all experienced fear. It's unique how he responds to it. I don't know Nehemiah's life. I don't know before Nehemiah starts. I really don't know what Nehemiah was up to. I'm assuming a cupbearer to the king because he was the king for like 20 years. But I don't know what he was up to, but I assume that for some time, fear was probably some sort of like dictator in his life, right? Like it is for me. When I think about my dating relationship with fear, if we wanna use that weird metaphor, uh, you know, for me, fear has often been the decision maker, right? Fear is every reason not to step into something. Does that make sense? Like when God calls you to something or when something like that you know is kind of risky but worth it, like the first things that come to your head are not all of the good things or the blessings or the positive outcomes, at least for me. Fear is the thing that comes in and goes, here's everything that could change. Do you really want change? Like this could be uncomfortable. This could be dangerous. For Nehemiah, it was dangerous. He felt fear because kings were psycho. Like kings literally killed people for walking into their presence at the wrong time. It's like, sometimes that fear is valid, but there's moments in our lives where it's like, man, if you really say that to this friend group, if you really try to go, hey, what if we pursue Jesus together? How do you think that's really gonna settle in? You know, or like if you go and tell your family this thing, or if you step deeper, like what's gonna happen? Your whole identity is over here. Moving here, it'll be unsettling, right? I don't know about you, but in my life, Fear is like the decision maker that goes, is that really worth it? And I'm like, you're right. I should have listened to you before. It's not worth it, right? 
But in this moment, I want us to watch because Nehemiah is about to have a DTR of fear where he goes, fear, this is your role. And then he makes a decision. He like demotes fear from being the decision maker. And then watch what he does. All right, I think it's verse four. The king asked, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? And so I prayed to God in heaven. I prayed to God in heaven. This is amazing, okay? Nehemiah has spent four months praying and fasting for this moment. But when he gets in the moment and he feels fear, what's his first impulse? To pray to God in heaven. And we're in church, so it feels obvious. We need to pray more, right? It's like, oh, of course. But I really wanted us to catch this. This is incredible. I think Nehemiah had this understanding, get ready for this, that the same God that brought him to that moment would get him through that moment, right? He had this healthy understanding. That's nifty if you didn't catch that. To the moment, through the moment, right? Holy Spirit, powerful. And I was thinking this week, Nehemiah had this understanding that God's wish for his life was not to go, hey, come over here, let's have a pep talk. I'm gonna send you out. Let me know how it goes when you come back, right? God's design for us as we are seeking to take deeper steps of faith in the deeper waters of walking with God is to go with us. This is a big deal. Can I give some like head nods? Like God wants to be with us. This is, a, this is a big moment. I was thinking about John chapter 16, where Jesus is talking to all of his disciples, all right? He's going, hey, one day I'm going to leave, okay? I'm going to get out of here. And it's good news. It's better that I leave because I'm going to send my spirit with you. And I can just imagine the disciples being like, yeah, sure, Jesus, it's great news that you, the savior of the world who raised people from the dead, would get out of here. We really are just eager to see you not here anymore, right? Like Jesus is all powerful, but Jesus goes, no, it really is better that I leave because I'm going to send my spirit to dwell with you. And I think in this time of fasting and praying, we need to hear this, that God doesn't just wanna get us in our inner closets, in our bedrooms and get us more disciplined and like praying more and reading our devotionals and journaling more. Like he wants to be with us in the moments of courage. Does that make sense? Like God wants to be here right now or like at 6 a.m. when you wake up or 10.30 a.m. when you wake up, like, and you, like your day has just started, God wants to be with you in that moment right? At 9.30 in the morning, when you've been at your job for like an hour and a half, God wants to be with you. He is with you, right? At 11.30 a.m. at Subway, when you're waiting for that sub sandwich and you need God for a lot of reasons because you chose Subway in this scenario, like God wants to be with you in those moments. I think what stuck out to me is, man, in these moments that we encounter fear, especially as we're seeking to be obedient to God, I don't know about you, but my gospel, the Soloway gospel goes, hey, when you're scared, just grit your teeth and punch as hard as you can and just try your hardest and then maybe try again if you fail. But I think Nehemiah had this beautiful insight that God's wish for our lives is not that we go, okay, God, I'm gonna go try. I'll be right back. I'll let you know how it goes. But he goes, hey, I'm gonna take you to these moments and then I'm with you and I'm gonna help you get through these moments. The life of Peter really stands out to me. There's this moment where Jesus is on the water and he's like calling his disciples out to walk on water. And what happens to Peter, right? He has faith. He locks eyes with Jesus. He literally starts like defying the physics of how water molecules assemble, right? He's just like walking on them, like all cool. And the minute he takes his eyes off, what happens? Yeah, he sinks, right? And I think that's like an example. Like God doesn't just want to say, hey, walk on water. He goes, hey, keep your eyes on me. I'm with you. I'm on the water too. Let's like do this thing together. So this is important. So when fear is near, it's important for us to acknowledge that God is also near. And in our DTR of fear, we need to let God begin to help us have courage in the moments and not let fear be so quick to dictate our decisions. Now look at verse seven. 
One more thing I noticed in this passage is that, man, courage multiplies, straight up. Like, your decision to be faithful, your decision to have courage will never stop with that decision. Like, it will always lead to more courage. I want you to watch this. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me. Well, I won't read it all again. Anyway, this is what happens, all right? Nehemiah goes, hey, I need to go to Judah to help rebuild my city. The king goes, okay, what's the timeline? Nehemiah answers, the king's good with it. That seems to me like the moment of courage. King Artaxerxes, I'm leaving my, like, my position here for a little bit, cool? But here's what happens. I want you to understand what's happening in verse seven and eight. Nehemiah is gonna make a request that is so outlandish, so ridiculous, okay? He's gonna say, hey, I need you to go against your own decree from the book of Ezra where you said it's illegal for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. And I need you to say, I can go rebuild it. Also, holler at your manager at the lumber yard and tell him, I need him to supply all of the wood to support the beams of the temple, the walls of the city, and the, and the house that I will live in during that time. Does that stand out to you? Where is Nehemiah in verse two? Like, where'd that guy go? Like, hey, why are you sad? Oh gosh, I'm scared now, right? Now he's like, hey, I know you made a law and like sealed it, need you to break the law and to rebuild the city of your enemy. Is that not crazy? It's like, I think this is how courage works, right? I think this is how life with God works. I don't know if you've ever had a moment of like breakthrough and you just feel like you can do anything. Like the first day you actually make it to the gym and you work out and you're like, I'm gonna work out every other hour for the rest of my life. Like (laughs) I've done it, this is it, it's happened. That's what courage does, right? That's what I'm seeing with Nehemiah. He's like, he understands that like, oh my goodness, like God is actually like with me. The king has approved that I take my leave of absence oh my, hey, would you mind rebuilding the whole city? And King's like, yeah, sure. See, when you get back, sounds good. What is happening? Like that does not even make any sense. This was such a dangerous spot for Nehemiah. But I really believe this, courage multiplies. And here's what fear never does. It never lets you know what could be the blessing on the other side of your steps of courage. Do you think in verse two that Nehemiah had any understanding that the whole bill for the city of Jerusalem to be built was gonna be footed by the king? Is that how you say that, the bill being footed? That can't be it. Anyway, Nehemiah never knew. I just gotta think when that fear came in, fear was never going, hey, this might be worth it. God might have a huge blessing, right? But he steps with God in courage and we see the result. This is incredible to me. I wonder for us, What blessings from the Lord are on the other end of our potential steps of courage? Like, I really got lost in that. Like, there's some areas where you're considering altering your life in some way and stepping into obedience with God, and fear is just, like, just crippling you. And I was thinking this week, because fear is so vague, and I really, the Holy Spirit's just gonna have to illuminate the specific areas in your life, because I know there can be potentially so many. But I just wonder what God might have in store for you if you'll take that first step. And here's what's so cool about the story of Nehemiah, is the blessing that was reserved for Nehemiah was not only for Nehemiah, right? It was for the nation of Israel. And this is how God works, always. He is not seeking your obedience so you'll be happy. He's gonna bless you, he's gonna give you peace and joy, but he always has other people in mind. It always goes beyond just you, right? Jesus isn't come to earth and go, hey, follow me, be my disciple, and I will bring you comfort and joy and blessing, right? He says, no, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of what? Men. That's the gospel. And I I really started thinking about this, and man, it it blew my mind. I'm like, I wonder 
how many people are awaiting the blessing of God because a few said yes. A few decided, fear, you're no longer the decision maker. The reasons not to are no longer strong enough. I am going to start stepping in with God. God, I can't do this without you. I can't muscle through it, but we're gonna do this together. We're gonna take some steps. I wonder how many people are awaiting the good news of the gospel of Jesus if we'll only take some first steps of courage. Does that make sense? And so I wanna give us a chance to really reflect on this, right? Every week, I wanna invite us to participate because it just won't do a lot of good if I just come up here and give like a pep talk, right? And we're like, oh, that was a good or a bad sermon, right? I think the word is meant for us to wrestle with, to talk about, and to let God examine us. So I have three questions that we're gonna put on the screen. And I wanna invite you to do this. I wanna give you five minutes to just reflect on these questions personally, okay? And we can, we can get those up whenever. But I wanna give you uh, just three questions to reflect on personally, to have like five minutes of prayer. And some weeks, I'm gonna say, hey, you need 10 or 15 minutes to just connect with the Lord, so go for it. In some weeks, like the last few, I'm gonna go, hey, we're gonna circle up our chairs and we're gonna talk about it, all right? This week is one of those circle up our chairs moments, and here's why. I think one of the the, the greatest powers of fear is secrecy. I think when things are in the dark, it's just harder for us as individuals. And I think sometimes naming some fear that may be gripping us is so powerful. Now listen, every week, you will never be obligated to do this, okay? It is never awkward. If you wanna put your head down or go outside or stand in the back, like that is totally okay. You do not have to participate in this. However, I do wanna invite us. I think there can be real power when we circle up. We don't offer advice. We don't try to fix each other, but we just listen and encourage one another. And when we can speak out, man, here's where the enemy is like tying me down with fear. I just think there's power in that. So there's three questions I want us to reflect on, okay? First, where do you sense God calling you deeper? All right, where do you just sense God calling you deeper in this time of fasting as a church? Uh, this could be any realm. This could be personally, just pursuing him more intentionally. You could be sitting here going, I've been contemplating following Jesus for months, and maybe it's time to take the plunge like, and just go for it. But where do you sense God calling you deeper in community and family, whatever? Two, where are you experiencing fear? As I was talking with Matt, uh, Ben and Myracker at, uh, at the teaching meeting, he, re- he just talked about how Psalm 139 is this prayer for God to search our anxious thoughts, like search my thoughts, know my thoughts. It's kind of like this sentiment of God, there's some things that are gripping me that I don't even know are gripping me. And I started wondering, I'm like, I think there's probably places in our lives where we feel rebellious or not good enough, and we don't even know that like underneath all of that baggage is like this seed of just fear. And we need God to tell us this. Like, Some of you guys are not nearly as bad off as you think. There's just a place of fear that God needs to expose that he can bring healing. So just praying, God, will you search our thoughts? So you may not know initially, but maybe pray for it. And then number three, how can you partner with God in prayer about this? All right, one more thing. In Acts chapter four, I was reading about Peter and John, and there's this moment where they get flogged and they get threatened and they get released. And they get back to their people and they begin praying. So the same people that killed Jesus have threatened Peter and John, and their prayer was really interesting to me. They don't pray that persecution would stop. They don't pray for a change in their circumstances. They pray for boldness. And that really stuck out to me, because it's the same Peter that like months earlier had denied even knowing Jesus because he was so scared they might kill him, right? But the heart of Peter had really changed, and he began praying for boldness. And so when he asked this question, how can you partner with God in prayer about this, that could be one avenue. God, would you just like partner with me as I try to grow in boldness? Maybe I don't need my circumstances to change. Maybe I just need to take courage or whatever else. So I'm gonna leave us five minutes 
So look at these questions, and you just make this your living room. If you need to get up and walk around, whatever you need to do, reflect with the Lord, like talk to him about this, listen, and then I'll come back up and dismiss us to circle up our chairs and to say like, hey, here's what I heard God saying. Here's what was on my heart, okay? Does that make sense? Is everyone on the same page, kind of? Yes? Okay, all right, let's do it. So for five minutes, reflect on these questions, and then we'll get in our groups.